0: Good to you. I'm Al Cresta. You know, we like to say uh, here that human beings may, are made in the image and likeness of God. And so, inevitably, they will uh, function in such a way that they project some kind of ultimate concern, uh, some kind of overarching understanding of life that may be very well thought out and very conscious, or maybe something that's just picked up like measles from the surrounding social atmosphere. Uh, And we also know that uh, we've seen more and more people leaving uh, organized religion. We've seen the rise of the uh, unaffiliated, uh, the so-called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And uh, my guest, uh, David Zal, has pointed out that people may be leaving organized religion, but the marketplace in replacement religion is booming. He's the author of Seculosity, a great phrase. Seculosity, how career, parenting, technology, food, politics, and romance became our new religion and what to do about it. Uh, David uh, is the founder and director of Mockingbird Ministries, uh, editor-in-chief of the popular Mockingbird website, and co-host of the Mockingcast. He and his family live in Charlottesville, Virginia, where he also serves on the staff of Christ Episcopal Church. And uh, David, good to have you with me. Thanks.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me, Al. I appreciate it.
0: Let's take the title of the book, uh, Seculosity. I don't think I've heard that word uh, before.
1: <laughs> well, that's right. It was definitely something I put together. It's, a, it's simply a combination of the words secular and religiosity, mm-hmm. um, sort of a mash-up in the way that people do today. But I wanted a word that could describe what, um, as someone who'd grown up in the Church and going to Church, uh, I was starting to feel like all sorts of everyday activities were were beginning to function that way or mm-hmm. feel that way, but maybe not in the, not in the, not in the without some of the positive things that church brought to my life sure and so seculosity is really uh my shorthand for religious uh, feeling or devotion that is uh, tar- aimed at like a, at a heavenly sorry at an earthly rather than a heavenly target right
0: right. Uh, you know, I've been surprised uh, at seeing a number of books uh, published in the last well, 10, 10 years at least, uh, where men who are well known as uh, ideological atheists have had to start writing books uh, about religion for atheists. And there seems to be a recognition, even among those who reject the idea of a transcending God, that human beings... Uh, do function best when they believe that there's some uh, overarching transcendent reality or they try to find a certain uh, at-oneness with the world around them. Uh, Is there a a religious impulse here that even atheists have to recognize?
1: I would say absolutely. Um, Really, when you say someone is uh, religious. It really is. The question is just how they're religious, not whether they are religious.
0: Right. Exactly. And
1: um, I, that depends on how you define religion. Are you just talking about, you know, the big three, you know, Judaism and Christianity and Islam, or are you talking about simply the, the, um, you know, the, the, the overarching cosmology that someone has, or the, the way that they, the values that they hold and. In fact, what they're, I, I talk about religion as sort of your preferred guilt management system. <laughs> okay. and everyone, we're all walking around with a, with, just because we're human beings and we're stepping on each other's toes, and there's a degree of guilt and shame that comes along with being a human being. And what you do with that tends to be to function for you like a religion, a place where you're not only getting community and ritual and transcendence, but also, uh, you know, maybe absolution or a place where you're going for enoughness. Sure. Righteous righteousness is the real word for it.
0: So so uh, are we looking at here, you talk about career, parenting, technology, food, politics, and romance. Uh, it, using the old language, are these things becoming idols?
1: Well, I think I think they absolutely are. I mean, if if the more, I think the older I live, or the longer I live, the um, older I get, uh, the more you realize that idolatry can describe a lot of things. It really kind of, if you drill down into it. My, my, my aim with the book, though, because um, that can be kind of a vague or almost off-putting word, sure. um, uh, I wanted to talk less about worship and more about self-justification. Mm-hmm. So the way that people um, are looking, are leaning on their diet or their parenting or their uh, voting. To give them a sense of righteousness, so sort of make them feel like their their life is valuable, justified, uh, in a way that I think is very similar to idolatry. And th- there's no like line in the sand at all. But I don't think we're worshiping, uh, you know, the voting booth uh, per se. Right. I think we're right. or 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 um, our, we're not worshiping our children. We're worshiping the sense of righteousness that we receive when our children, you know, get all sorts of accolades or other parents treat us as though we are authorities in some way.
0: You talk about performancism. Uh, tie that in here.
1: Well, performancesm is kind of a, it's just my, another kind of made up word for the sense that there's no, or the notion that there's no distinction between uh, what you do or your resume and your, your identity, yourself. Okay. There's no distinction between how good you are at something and uh, your own essence, I guess. So the school you went to, the um, person you married—they're not just descriptive of you; they are you. And that can lead to, you know, that can lead to parents paying half a million dollars to get their kids into the school that, uh, yeah. you know through the back door. Uh, because it's not just education that's at stake, it's identity that's at stake. So performancism is simply that there's no distinction. Because w- performance is a big part of who we are. Mm-hmm. But um, when there's no distinction, no sense, oh, I'm a child of God, as well as a father and a, you know, a friend and a brother and a coworker. worker uh, when there's no distinction between my accomplishments and myself, you get into some very ruthless and confusing waters I think
0: what what we desire has much to do with who we understand ourselves to be and it seems to me that a disciple of Jesus is more engaged in the hungering and thirsting uh, after uh, the kingdom of righteousness uh, than he is even about knowing or believing. Uh, what's the relationship between what we desire? And what we perform.
1: Well, I think if they're deeply related, because uh, you know the affectation or the, the the orientation of a person's heart really does. What is, you know, where your heart is, there your treasure, or yeah. where your treasure is, there your your heart will also be. I that's you know the words of Christ, and they're one hundred percent true. So um, the desire tends to be, and whether or not it's just completely inborn or a nature of the fallout of sin or something that's inculcated by society but our desire seems to be for other people to tell us we're enough and that we are good that we are valuable yeah. and uh, that is and that has that that ends up being a desire that's deeply self-oriented um, rather than other oriented and I think well, a lot people who who follow Jesus that there's really a sense in which you you lose your life to say that you, you, you become of use to other people, and that's where you actually, uh, your desires tend to almost be extinguished, but met in, a, in, a, in an almost paradoxical way. And so we always talk about the importance of service, not necessarily because other people are dying for you to um, help them, though they are, but mainly because that's the way a path towards healing and, and, and God.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you talk about the seculosity of romance and the the myth of the soulmate or the myth of the twin flame or there's all kinds of words that are used to, to imply that um, there's this one right person among the entire population of the earth that if we find ourselves matched up with this one person uh, somehow we will have attained a, a kind of a romantic uh the romantic equivalent of heaven on earth
1: mm. i I mean that is i think uh, what almost like the Gospel according to hollywood and it's it's not to deny that romance is thrilling and, and can be quite transcendent sure but this idea when when you really get down to what people are looking for in a spouse today it's it you know not just to be their best friend and their their you know the Co-parent and the person who provides for them, and it, it—you get to and fulfills their every emotional need yeah. and almost anticipates it. That sounds more like a savior to me than yeah. an actual uh, person to kind of go through life with and learn to love. And um, I well, think that, that that creates a lot of anxiety around dating and finding the right person, as if only one person out there can do that, or you can only be that person to one person.
0: So. Yes, it puts an extraordinary burden. On your spouse, uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> it, you know, if that if your spouse is kind of your, the the one who with, who, the one who uh, relationship reflects back to you uh, whether things are all right or not. Um, they can't meet the no human being can meet uh, that those deepest needs that we have for God, and I think Christians. As they, you know, idealize the family, they oftentimes I I think do believe that when I get the right match, uh, uh, as uh, Adam had Eve, when I get the right match, kind of I've got the future laid out for me. Things are going to be fine.
1: Oh, I know. What, I mean, what's the great phrase from that movie Jerry Maguire from the, you know the '90s, which was "You complete me." Yes,
2: that's, that's uh, right.
1: That's... That's a tall order for my wife, but Yes. more importantly, I don't want to be the one to have to complete her, right. <laughs> because I, I know what I'm like, Right. and right. Uh, maybe we can journey together towards uh, God and, and other people, but uh, gosh, heaven forbid that I would have to be completing her, because she would be really in, in, in bad shape.
0: Are we, uh, I'm just wondering if this is a, uh, more of a problem for uh, people... Of this generation than it was let's say two generations ago,
1: Well, I think when it comes to romance, um, it was a lot easier to choose someone a good enough uh, mate when it was you know you're choosing between the people in your apartment building or your you know your your block, your city block or your church rather than a million, billions of people online. Right. I think that, that right. there is something that is paralyzing, genuinely paralyzing about that. I also think that the, the human desire for uh, completion and for enoughness of, in, in, and to be loved, that, of course, is just uh, that's, uh, universal and, and timeless.
0: David, hold it there, if you will. We'll take a break, come back. My guest, David Zal, is author of a most engaging book called Seculosity. How career, parenting, technology, food, politics, and romance became our new religion and what to do about it. I'm Al Cresta. Be right back. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, David Zal. He is author of Seculosity, How Career, Parenting, Technology, Food, Politics, and Romance Became Our New Religion, and What to Do About It. David, do any one of these kind of dominate uh, a more enthralling replacement uh, religion than the others?
1: That's an interesting question. I think romance is usually the first one we go to. Yeah. Yeah. But um, today... If you were just to take a or to, to look around, I think you could see that um, careerism or the secularity of work is a very, very strong, and, and it's kind of the ultimate um, arbiter of purpose and righteousness, and even sort of salvation for young people, especially. Um, and I think that then the, the secularity of politics. I think politics is. We, we all note that the, the tribalism and the um, the cult likeness that you get—that you're starting to get by people not talking to each other—and um, I'd say those are very pronounced. But everything, you know, I talk about food being a kind of a replacement religion for folks, and fitness, wellness is a big one. Um, parenting, for it, but that sort of applies to a life stage, and it's a little little less broad. But anyone who's a young parent today knows that they're just bombarded by heresies <laughs> yeah. and, and condemnation that feels like you're you're in a, a church with no mercy.
0: Ha, has something broken down on our understanding of uh, the Christian faith that makes us more vulnerable to these replacement religions?
1: Well, that's a good question. I, um, I, I think that the liturgical churches, like the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and I, my church, um, we at least have the liturgy to kind of
0: right. stick to,
1: which is which is wonderful. I think that popular religion or the kind of mainstream, I call it Jesus land in the book, yeah. I think I think it has been a little co-opted by the spirit of self-fulfillment, and um, especially, it becomes church becomes another place to assert your righteousness or your enoughness rather than the place you go uh, to receive it. Or as someone said, is church the place uh, you run to when you 've messed up, or is it the place you run from
2: huh. and
1: um, you know uh, we have sacraments like confession and absolution right. and and all these things you know w- without that without that release valve you know're you're, you're, i think the clergy really historically for all of our you know the problems and sure. we can all this that they have really been a friend of mine referred to them as your local forgiveness person
2: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and
1: uh, what would it be like if? I, and I think it's certain, you catch glimpses of it for sure, but by and large the Church has a mammoth the Church, you know, Universal has a mammoth
0: PR problem Yeah, yeah. this is, I mean and it's hard to know what changes that right? I mean, within, yeah. within Catholicism for instance uh, at, the clo- at the close of the millennium the public face of the Catholic Church globally was Mother Teresa and John Paul II you know Right now, uh, we run the risk of it being a dirty old man in a Roman collar. Uh, so mo- perceived moral authority uh, on the part of church leaders is part of the problem here. Uh, I guess, of course, the answer is always to, to produce saints, uh, towering figures that uh, are embodiments of love and forgiveness and uh, charity towards all. Uh is there, is there any way short of that that the churches can regain moral authority?
1: Well, that, the 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 climb back up to moral authority is going to be a very long one. But yeah. with God, anything is possible. Like yeah. I, I want to say that our hope really is in is in God, right. and that God has not abandoned His church. And there have been moments, you know, periods of terrible, uh, you know. Um, Apostasy in the past.
2: Yep. And
1: we're 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 not uh, we're not we're not without resource here. The Holy Spirit, you know, the the, the churches has has been through rough times before, which is important for people to know. I also, but I think that with the way that technology works today, um, frankly, things can change very quickly
2: yeah. <laughs> for yeah. good
1: and for bad. And uh, I don't know. I have I have hope. I, I think that the. Um, Things like uh, you know, with the mass, there's 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 pauses, there's silence, there's it's so it's so countercultural when right. you really get down to it, and people are so harried and, and and distracted, and 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 they're really afflicted by that. I think a lot of people feel powerless to absent themselves from some of these patterns, but I believe that the the church is only going to get more countercultural, uh, and, and that I think that's actually a good thing. Um, the embodiment of it, you know. The, you actually show up, and you're sitting next to a human being, you're not online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah.
1: I think that, that those are these are great things. and um, So I have, I have deep hope, but my hope is in God, not in uh, the systems that seem to have been uh, co-opted by secularity.
0: You know, it is interesting, isn't it, that uh, at Mass, at liturgy, there are these times of silence and pause, and you're with a, a group of people doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, where else do we do that? Uh, m- maybe at a classical music concert, uh, you expect some quiet uh, in between movements or something. But generally, when you've got a group of people together, somebody's usually poking us to, to get us to feel something, you know, to, uh, to shout, to, to make noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's no, and in, and
1: in the mass, you're not only silent for the purpose of being silent. You're there to receive. That's right. You, know? yeah. you come with open hands, and and it's um, and to confess and to uh, you know to hear again and receive the, the body and blood. So I think it's that is um, again the way that seculosity works is it seems to promise people peace, but it delivers more anxiety and more demand. It's like um, it's like uh, there, there's no. Um, it's merciless. There's there's no mechanism for any kind of uh, second chance or uh, uh, forgiveness. Right. So, uh, someone told me the, the internet is just like the real world, but with all the forgiveness vacuumed out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the church can be that.
0: Do you do you believe that? Um, I mean, po- politics is again an area that traditionally can work as a, an ersatz quasi religion of sorts. Um, and and in some ways, our politics have taken on uh, the, the the tenor and have the polarizing uh, d- d- dimension of a religious war. And I think, in perhaps that's because for us, for for many Americans, politics is the ultimate thing. Uh, it is the way you identify with a particular community. It's the way you identify with a particular view. Of uh, w- the way the world is going, it's where you identify with what it means to be a good person. Uh,
1: is, is yes, I, th- I think you have politics has, has become an, um, a real uh, a, a, an avenue for belonging. Yeah, and in, in a way that I'm not sure it always was. I remember you read studies about how um, you know it was people used to be totally fine with their with their child marrying across the aisle, right. but not, not with marrying a different, you know, religion. And right. today, uh, they're fine with you marrying a different religion, but heaven forbid you marry, <laughs> you marry someone on the other political side. And that just goes to show you, I, I think sometimes people's politics leads their faith, rather than their faith leads their politics.
2: Right, right. Um,
1: but I believe, you know, the, I think the Gospel and the New Testament, and the Church at its best, has done... All I can to break down barriers and say we're all children of God, but we're also all sinners and, and we're all in need of forgiveness. And um, that right now we have an us versus them mentality uh-huh. that is not really something you can find in uh, in the you know magisterium or in the, right. in the great documents or thinkers of the Church or even in Christ Himself. Yeah. Uh, he just seemed to oppose self-righteousness, which is kind of become the, you know, that's, that's, that's underlying the performancism.
0: Yes, that's yes.
1: That um, I'm better than the guy next door. That's the most important thing for me to, to be.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think this, your idea, uh, your focus on performancism is, is really good because I do think most people feel as though they must do something in order to be valuable. And, uh, and that includes even performance before God as though somehow we can you know, justify ourselves, or, uh, or somehow we can obligate uh, God to give us so many units of grace because we've generated so many units of faith or works.
1: Uh, yeah, that is uh, very, very true. I, I, I wish it weren't the case that the, the human spirit does that, but we... Um we want to we want to be in control basically
2: yeah.
1: and so we want to be the one telling God how much we deserve and and we really um, have a hard time you know with re- receiving and yet that's also where the hope lies and when people come to the end of themselves when they really get in trouble and they, they don't really have much to bring to the table except for open hands I believe that's where we uh, where we run into something like grace
0: yeah yeah uh, is I guess. Do you believe, as you uh, you look over the, the Christian landscape of America, do you think we're at a moment where grace is becoming a more active force, uh, a more plausible uh, way of understanding our place in this world?
1: I think yes, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think as 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 various forms of you know, parenting, career, technology, all these things that I talk about in the book, as they become more and more merciless, and the treadmill gets faster yeah. and faster, the, um, the, you can only go so fast. And uh, you're, we're a creature, not a creator. And, and really, so um, eventually the wheels fall off the bus, and people are, more and more people seem to be coming to recognize that something about this modern life that we're living isn't really working. And um, where, what do we do with the fact that we don't seem to be perfectible in, in right. the way that we, we that maybe Madison Avenue promises, um, so I do see I see I see becoming a premium. I just I just pray and hope that uh, Christians around the world can can really trumpet that message that God is the, the God of uh, you know the God of uh, revealed in Jesus Christ
2: mm-hmm.
1: is, is the God uh, who forgives and yeah. who actually loves uh, not perfect not not the righteous but uh, sinners. Um, and is is there is there to you know to, to meet you and is not another place you know I think again when church becomes another place where you feel you have to be good enough rather than the place you go when you've proved that you 're not that you're not. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. I think that that is, is and that 's baked into uh, our faith uh, from the from its founder through its scriptures through its early church fathers through you know, in almost every of his yes. expressions, if you really get down to what this is about, and you, um, you're going to run into that um, that animating uh, idea and that animating truth, I yeah. would say.
0: Over the years, I've done a fair amount of personal evangelism, and I actually pastored a church for a while, and I can't tell you how many people told me that they'd begin uh, returning to Sunday worship when they, after they got their life together. <laughs> 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 and, that's <true. laughs> and, but that's a perfect uh, entree, uh, to present the gospel, uh, to, uh, to show them a different way. Uh, great talking with you, and I hope we can talk again.
1: Thank you, Al. I so appreciate it. Thank, great talking with you.
0: David Zoll, Seculosity is the name of the book. I'm Al Cristo.